welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. RMTs are back to work. Some of them. Yeah. Supposed to be only seeing prioritized patients clients and i don't know man i've been seeing a whole bunch of stuff about rmt's like full-on opening i think all the chains have like sent out mass emails we're back in business that whole thing yeah i mean i'm on both sides of this i can hardly blame rmt's for being excited to be back we've been out of work for something like 80 days i i get the excitement well, you know what but if we don't want to be shut down again we need to take a step back and ease into it like our college has recommended we do you know but, what i have to say to all that screw fucking COVID. We got something way better going on right now. Yes, way better. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And I'm so excited because we have spoken to, I, I should have counted before we actually started recording, but we have spoken to a number of business coaches on our podcast before, but nothing like what we're doing today. This person we're speaking to, her name is Dana, and she's not a business coach. She's a badass business performance coach, and I, I love that Can title. I give you the backstory how we, how we ended up here? Yes, please. All right. So we have this little podcast that some people listen to. <laughs> it's a small amount of people. And um, someone sent us an email, and she wanted our advice on something. And a moral, ethical dilemma yeah. is what she said. And she's like, I don't want to discuss this over email. Can we do this over the phone? And I was like, oh, I don't know what this means. Like, whenever someone says that, that means they just don't want it on the record. So we're going to talk on the phone. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I, I, gave, I gave her a phone call. And this is how Dana's name came up. So this person that wanted our advice... She had been approached by someone in a swingers community wherever she lives, and they were looking for someone to to do classes to teach couples, couples massage. massage. Yeah, and she was asking me like, "What are the ins and outs of this, and can I do this as an RMT?" And I was like, "Well, you can teach classes. That's no problem, and that's something you can do. You can teach basic techniques to people. Um, they're not considered clients or patients in those moments when you're teaching classes. So I was kind of going over the basic idea." what needs to be done. You can't give out certificates. You can't give out this, that. In other words, you can't leave someone with the impression that you know what you're doing as a massage therapist, right? This is just for you to use in whatever personal space that you have. And then we kind of went down the path. She's like, okay, but it's just, it's going to be it's going to be in a swingers club. And I was like, whoa, okay, so what does that mean? Like, what are you using? And she's like, well, they're probably going to be on beds. And I was like, well, what are they going to be wearing? And what's going to be happening here? And she's like, this is where I don't know. And I want it to be very free, but I don't think I can allow it to be free as a massage therapist instructing this course. And I was like, yeah, you can't. She's like, well, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of naked parts and there's there's probably going to be a lot of uh, sexual activity. And I'm like, whoa, you definitely can't do that as an RMT. Like if you're going to instruct this class as an RMT, you have to make sure your participants are fully clothed. You have to make sure that there's no inappropriate touch that goes down, that type of thing, at least while you're present. You know, if you do your demonstrations and you teach your stuff, and everything's fine and you go on a lunch break and you come back to an orgy that's a whole other story <laughs> right so and then dana's name came up because uh this this therapist brought up your name and says i found this person or i know of this person her name is dana she used to be an rmt and she was working as a dominatrix after she 
stopped working as an RMT. And then I went and looked you up and I was like, whoa. So, hey, welcome. This is cool. <laughs> Quite an introduction, Mark. Well, now that we've got that little tidbit of information about you, um, Dana, can you, for our listeners, introduce yourself, a little bit of your backstory, how you went from massage to this badass Oh, shit. See, I already messed up the words. You, you're you going to say them again. Thank you. <laughs> Let everybody know who you are. Sorry about that. <laughs> I love the story. That is awesome. Um, so I, I mean, there's a fair bit in here that we need to kind of get the timeline yes, for yes, people because yes, people you. get things mixed up. Um, so I am currently a badass business performance coach, which is basically in essence, I help to get your mind in gear so that you can get your fucking ass in gear. Uh, and so, so that's, it's more the mindset, the emotional work and the journey. So back in 1992, I graduated from massage college and, you know, started working as a massage therapist and, you know, eventually opened up a massage therapy clinic and then added on a supply outlet in 2000 and, you know, grew to a second massage therapy clinic. And, and so all of that was going on from, you know, all of that time up until 2016, I sold the business and got out. Um, and I think it was at that point that I retired my, my massage license. So, you know, I had my massage license for 24 years. Now, the dominatrix piece, um, I did a tiny bit of pro-dom work, but primarily it's in my personal life. And so that was 2006 to 2012. Hmm. So it was actually concurrent to the massage therapy Can world. Can I ask you a question about the massage stuff? Because when yeah. I was talking with this individual, your name came up in, in the idea of the college and she was really worried about what the college might have to say. Mm -hmm. And this is how your name came up because she said that you were doing chair massage at the sex show in Toronto and that's where the CMTO nailed you. And I was like, what? Really? And then, so that's when I went to go look you up on <laughs> the website I went to go look you up on the college register to see if yeah. there was any discipline against you and I'm like no there's nothing here no. it just says that you've no. surrendered your license in other words you're retired right yeah. and so that and yeah is that a is that a, is that a real thing or did she just pull that out of the sky I don't know where she got that story she might be mixing me up with somebody else or gotcha. you know somebody people love to gossip oh well, we, right? know. we know that, <laughs> we know yeah. right oh my goodness right like oh you know so I when I came out of the closet and and was started talking about the dominatrix thing. I knew I, I knew at that point that I would have to surrender my license because that world was not necessarily going to be necessarily friendly. Now, you know, a lot of them have stayed open to it and they're like, oh, well, what's that about? Or what are you doing? How are you relating that? But a lot of people have prejudice against it. Um, so no, there was never a disciplinary uh, judgment against me. I did have a lot of vocal opinions about the college mm -hmm. uh, and, and those who followed me were aware of those opinions but I was also really clear of people like you know this is what works for me and you need to do what works for you um, there are certain rules that just are not going to work so no I was never doing chair massage at the sex show uh, I've never been involved in the sex show I have attended I will admit that I have attended once the first year it opened um, and thought it was lame so <laughs> 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 what, what what was lame about it for you? It was just very commercialized. It's, mm. it's the whole, you know, you got your Barbie dolls running around. They got the fake everything and the tiny little, you know, bikini things. And it's right. just, it's like, it's, I'm like, really, we have to bring the usual, you know, media perfect image into things. Um, whereas when I was actually involved in the kink world, one of the things that I really liked is that there was a lot more openness for 
accepting people as they are. And there were a large number of large people in that Mm -hmm. world. Um, You have a lot of different body shapes and sizes and everybody walking around in all kinds of different gear. And people are on the whole more welcoming and accepting and saying, you know what, like, hey, cool, you are loving this. That's what's awesome. As opposed to, oh, you don't fit in that outfit. (laughs) Yeah, the sex show, I think, is is more of like a moneymaker and a commercialized thing than really for people who want to explore different different ideas and like meet different people. I, I, yeah. Have you been? I've never been. I've never actually been to the show. I mean, I know people have. I've never been. I, I don't know that I've ever really had an interest in going, but mm. I mean, I'm now that lazy. Dana says it's lame, then I'm not going. <laughs> I'm too lazy. I just, I just don't even want to leave my house. I have a question about, because again, we when we contacted you, we were under the impression that you were a massage therapist and the dominatrix stuff was more of a professional move that came after. So now you've clarified it was mm-hmm. it was part of your personal life and it was it was happening while you were a therapist. Mm-hmm. What are the words that the college uses that you no matter what even if you if you're an RMT, unbecoming. Yes, you can't do anything unbecoming. Yeah. That's the way it's written in the uh, massage therapy which act, is up for yeah. so much interpretation. Under this section but of misconduct. Dana, mm-hmm. when you were a therapist, did you feel that I mean, your personal life is your personal life. You don't have to mm-hmm. expose it to anyone, but did you feel at any point, like nervous that if somebody knew that you were involved in this kink world, that that would be this strike against you as a healthcare professional, like this is unbecoming because our our industry, especially like in the 90s, I'm sure it was even more so like our industry was already sort of loosely tied to the sex world, right? You know, like yeah. somebody would hear the word massage. And I, I've said it on our episodes before. When I first told my mother's brother, my uncle, that I was becoming a massage therapist, he's like, isn't that a sexual thing? Like this was yeah. this was the attitude. So did you feel you had to keep these worlds separate and keep this sort of under, under wraps so that nobody, you know, even thought about having to ha- have discipline against you? I, I did. There was, there was a definite... Um, conscious effort to to keep the world separate and and it's interesting because I, I share that in a lot of my story and the fact that because they were so separate like my you know my personal life as a dominatrix and who I was becoming from what I was learning from that world and uh, you know on a personal mental emotional level and you know that was completely separate from my business skill set that it wasn't until I hit um, hit a, a restructuring in 2012 and had to you know lay everybody off and build the business once again that I realized that it was like all of those leadership skills that I had been developing from being a dominatrix really were so important for being a business owner. And so it was almost like this you know contrast of like here I was a super badass in the dungeon and then, you know, kind of a wimpy business owner. (laughs) So, so flipping that around and integrating it made a big difference for me in, in business. Interesting. For anybody listening who maybe doesn't even know what a dominatrix is, we just kind (laughs) of jumped into this without actually defining. I just assumed our audience would know. You know uh, what? Our audience might know, but maybe not. So I feel, I feel like we should we feel like we should open this up for discussion. Yeah. What, what does it mean? Because you. you know what? And other people probably have a very uh, narrow-minded and generalized mm-hmm. view. You know, you hear the word dominatrix, immediately people start thinking spikes and leather and whips. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I'm sure there's more to it than that. So can you give Thank our listeners you. an idea of what this actually means? Yeah. So there is there is definitely a whole lot more to it. So 
on the surface, there's, you know, there's the costumes and that's what most people see, the whips and the chains. And you see this very stern looking, you know, woman. Um, so the term dominatrix is used exclusively for women. That is the female term. And it's typically a term that's used for um, pro doms. So people who are who are doing the service professionally. I chose to use the word because it pushes people's buttons. Um, and I like to do that. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm a bit of a shit disturber. Um, You and Mark can be fast friends. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So um, the, you know, the DOMS, which is spelled D-O-M, is the masculine version. And then DOMS spelled D-O-M-M-E is typically the the feminine version for non-professionals. Now, within the the culture, we call them scenes. So if you have, if you go and play with somebody, we we call it a scene because most of the time sex is actually not part of the the arrangement. Lots of people take it into the sex realm. But for me, the deeper essence of, you know, kink and BDSM is actually a lot more about um, transformation and a spiritual process. So very much along the lines of extreme sports or, um, you know, our ancient spiritual practices. So, you know, our native cultures often have something where we, you know, you go off and experience extreme weather or being, you know, exposed to the elements and you do this in order to have um, a deep transformation of, of, of your soul, who you are, right? Even going to, you know, the Costa Rica and doing ayahuasca or something, that's a, that's a deep, you know, it's a kind of intense, <laughs> full out experience. And so for me, the the whole scene world, the kink world creates that. So you, you actually negotiate well ahead of time of what's okay, what's not okay. And, um, and then you craft out and say, okay, well, what, what would you like as an outcome? What's, what's the goal here? What's going on? And, and kind of like coaching, right? We look at, you know, where do you want to go? And then, you know, from there, then I'm the one in charge. And it's, it's not a matter of like, oh, I'm going to get off on this because I'm in charge. It's actually much more like a high level service position, not unlike massage therapy in that you're, you're inflicting pain on somebody to create a positive outcome. Um, if people go with the pain model of massage, which is a whole nother topic, <laughs> but, but that, that piece that, you know, that idea of moving people into, um, greater and greater levels of pain or discomfort in order to shift what is going on, in order to shift their, um, psyche of who they are and how they see themselves. And at the end, you have people dropped into a state of deep trance. And in that state, you have the ability to create, um, really integrated changes and, you know, in reinforcing the fact of like, you know, Hey, look, you are way more, you're way stronger than you thought you were, or look at what you've just survived. Like you're give yourself some credit. Like those kinds of things can get set up in the end when they're in that deep transformation state. And it, it changes people at a, like at a, at a cell level in a, in a very short period of time. Wow. I have never heard that definition or that explanation before. That was like nothing that I was expecting. So <laughs> I, I'm really glad you did that because if I had no idea that- It makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. I mean, we've had a hypnotherapist on and he talked about bringing people into a, such a, a state of mind where they were now susceptible to suggestion. And this mm-hmm. sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. And that's where change yeah. can happen, right? Yeah, that's I just I, I had never heard that before. So I mean, I hope that other people listening can 
I mean, get a little more of an understanding. This isn't just a, like you said, this isn't just a sexual thing. Like you guys get off on doing these sorts of things. This is a whole process and there's a purpose behind it. Now, I, I understand, you know, the, the person who's being dominated. Is that the right terminology? The person who's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. I yeah. understand their transformation, but for you as the dominant character in this thing or the dominant role, is there, is something transformative that happens for you? Or is this just like you said, like a service that you're providing for other people to get where they need to be? Um, the, the way I played it, it was very much um, in service of me as well, in because I could drop into the energy of the scene, being in the flow. Um, I was deepening my spiritual transformation of being able to be in a state of really deep presence with another person where nothing else exists. And this is what so many people are trying to achieve with things like transcendental meditation Mm -hmm. or, you know, going on these long retreats and, and it, and yet in that space, in a, in a two hour window, I could drop into that where, you know, it's that experiencing the slipstream of consciousness kind of level. And I know it seems it's kind of mind blowing for most people to think about that because they don't relate that to the kink world at all. But there's a there's an amazing um, flow of energy that happens. So I would say, yes, every session that I did with people changed me, no matter which side of the whip I was on. So I actually started as a submissive, and it ended up healing a lot of my sexual trauma from childhood. Um, and that's, that's what prompted me to actually want to take others on this journey, move them through it in a, in a transformative way. Because of course, having been a massage therapist, I'm very drawn to working with people and creating those, those changes and that transformation. You should see my face right now. Like, I don't, I don't often get speechless, but I'm like, wow, like this is just, this is mind blowing. I mean, I, I always like claim to be a very open-minded person and I am, but it's every time we speak to somebody and I learn something new like this, I realize how many things that I actually know nothing about only because I haven't taken the time to talk to people and to learn these things. So, I mean, this podcast is like amazing for me. I learned so many things. I had no idea that like dominatrix was so deep. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you think so? Why wouldn't it be any different than when we had Sue on the podcast talking about how she was in a jungle in Mexico in a a sweat lodge, you know, trying to get in Mm -hmm. touch with herself? Yeah. What's the difference? There is no difference. And as Dana suggested, it's all those extremes of behavior Mm -hmm. that can, or these extreme activities that you can tap into yourself in those ways. Well, I know we want to talk about, um, where you are now and your business now, but I'm not done with this part yet because <laughs> I'm yeah, really, I'm really enjoying learning about this. How does a person recognize, like, how did you get into this? How did you recognize that you, you know, the submissive role is where you said you started. How did that mm-hmm. come up for you? Did somebody else suggest it? Did you go like seeking this out? How does this come about for a person? Uh, so for me, it was actually one of my clients when I was still doing massage, she came in and she disclosed to me that she was involved in the kink community um, because, of course, you know, you're going to see a fair bit of skin and, you know, that there was there was the ability to have an open discussion about marks and bruises and, right. and what's going on. And she is this incredible woman for being able to articulate all of that, you know, all the things that I've just articulated. And, and she, you know, every time she came in, I was, I was grilling her. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what does that do? And I, you know, I learned a little bit more about the kink. And then I, I'm like, well, you know, why is that exciting? Why does that work? And it just kept sparking an interest for me. And although it took me a few years before I was able to explore anything, 
that exploration on a cerebral level was really good for me to be be able to see what's behind the scenes and the, the psychology of it and, you know, understanding that from that perspective, because I, I have a deep fascination and, and a lot of learning in the psychology world. So I could I could get it. I could see why it would do what it would do and and why it was way beyond what it looked like on the outside, that there's there's all these other nuances that are just beautiful and you know it's these layers of like a fine wine these layers of flavors that all blend together for an incredible experience wow <laughs> after after all of that that beautiful articulation amanda responds wow <laughs> when your patient when your patient or client is telling you all of this stuff is it is it a moment of I'm happy to disclose. I'm happy to talk about it. This is this is a big part of my identity. I'm proud of this. Or is it? Mm, I better tell my massage therapist about this kind of stuff because you might see stuff on my body, and you're gonna ask me about it anyway. So let me just let it out. No, she was very integrated with with what you know who she was, and that this was a really big part of what she enjoyed. Um, so there wasn't any shame, uh, which I thought was absolute. That was part of the intrigue for me. I was like, wow, okay, you've got no shame about this. This is so cool. And so every time I would have a conversation, like, honestly, you would have thought we were talking about sports or wine or, you know, something mundane. The way we were having a conversation mm-hmm. was that it was nothing taboo, but it was just an interesting, in-depth intellectual discussion. And that speaks a lot about you. I mean, as a therapist, as a person, as a coach, that you can just make people comfortable enough that they can talk about who they are like naturally and just be open and genuine and not feel like they have to hide anything from you. Like she was very, I mean, I'm sure she's open with everybody, but I think you have to have a certain level of comfort with somebody to disclose all parts of your life, especially parts that some people would consider taboo. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So when did you get out of the massage world? Why, why out? Um, I had been, I had been pulling back and doing much more of the coaching work and energy work. And I, so I realistically shouldn't have had my license the last two years that I did. I mean, gotcha. I can say this now because I, you know, but I, you know, I was really doing much more of the the, the work that's not typical, you know, really technically under the RMT license. Um, so I had to, I had to have some time with it to feel into, do I want to let this go? Cause mm-hmm. there was a, you know, a big investment in having it. And as most people know that it's not that easy to get back. So, you know, I spent that couple of years kind of wrestling with the fact that I didn't really want to do massage anymore. I really wanted to be doing this transformation work with people. Um, and, you know, the body work was getting in the way at that point. Mm-hmm. Where did you start with this transformation work? Like you said, like you said, uh, the last two years, you were really more on the coaching side. How did you get into that? Who were your first type of clients? Did they find you? Did you find them? I, I really consider that I started my coaching way back in, I would say, probably a couple of years after I got into massage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing you know, emotional transformation work with people because what they were coming in with was not a physical complaint. Even though they were feeling it in, in the low back, then when we would get in and address what was going on, in their life, suddenly their low back issue would go away. Mm-hmm. So very early on, I figured that out. And that was how I worked. And, and I got known for that. So I would really technically say that I was doing coaching for you know, 
the, the whole time. Right. Um, and then, like I said, the last couple of years, I started transitioning into, okay, let's start, you know, working with people off the table, um, started doing sessions via things like Zoom, video conferencing. Um, finding those early clients, I, you know, really word of mouth, because I was already getting results with people, they they were referring friends and you know it it grew from that and then I also started going and speaking at conferences um of, you know even paying to play on other people's stages um getting that ball rolling and then it's been a combination of all the things that I do to promote myself but also still word of mouth today. That is very cool. You said at the beginning that your focus with people in your coaching is is the mindset. And that mm-hmm. immediately sparked both mine and Mark's interest because we we teach a business course for RMTs. And the first session in the course we teach is all about mindset because we recognize mm-hmm. right away, nothing can change. No business venture can start or shift or anything unless you do the internal work first. So we always start with the mindset. Um, right. Talk to me about that a little bit. What's your approach with people? You know, if somebody, if I were to contact you and I needed help in some way, what does it look like? Like, do you, do you have sort of um, like a, a pre-screening process of figuring out is this somebody I can work with? How how do you get started with somebody? Yeah, if people express an interest, um, if they're not scared away by my brand, then they're generally um, probably going to be a good fit. Uh, I find that kind of screens people because if you're if you're willing to look at the brand outside of what the normal people think it is, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who want to think differently. They want to think bigger. They they want to shift and grow. And um, you know, I totally I'm so resonant with you guys about doing the mindset work first because that was I was constantly doing trainings and things with the therapist when I had the store. Um, I saw that. I saw it so much and I still see it with the therapist. There's a lot of um, playing small, seeing themselves mm-hmm. as, you know, the low man on the, you know, healthcare totem pole, mm-hmm. um, you know, not willing to think outside the box as far as how to price and how to, you know, how to, how to market yourself and, and even marketing yourself. Um, so, you know, when I, when I get working with people, it's, it's usually they come to me for one of two things. One, they, um, they've had successful business in the past. They've transitioned into something new, usually coaching or consulting. And all the things that they used to do aren't working anymore because what they used to do was push. They would like just get into the hustle and grind. And with the transition and with coaching, it's, push doesn't really work so well. Um, so those techniques don't work. And so then we, we have to go in and change the deeper programs that are happening that, that are setting up that push energy. And the push energy almost always comes from earlier trauma. And I know a lot of people go, well, I've done trauma work. I'm, I'm good. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, there's, there is deeper healing. Cause if you're, if you're having things like, you know, you're having difficulties with clients. They're, you know, wanting to get out of their contracts. You've got conflicts. You've got people not paying you and you're not holding them accountable. Um, you know, these are all symptoms that there's still some deeper healing that needs to happen because when we heal on a really deep level, 
then it's a non-issue. We we just like, it's just a, a, like, you owe me the money. How do we make this happen? How do we make it work? As opposed to the internalizing of, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. I can't ask them for that. And oh, that'll really cause all the, like, right? All those things that come up in our mind. Mm-hmm. The other big one is, um, and, and it's typically women, unfortunately, but women who've been more successful in business or maybe they've, you know, achieved levels like a, a Olympian athlete, those kinds of things. And yet they still see themselves as not good enough. And so there's this constant strive for I need to get to the next thing I need to get, to, which is still kind of that push energy, mm-hmm. but shifting that at that core level so that they can go and show up in their business in a way that is effective and easy on their body. Very badass. I understand the brand. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. I love it when people get me. (laughs) Well, I liked, I liked that part about it too. And I, I like that you brought up the fact that it's very often women. Um, I work in a female dominated industry, right? Mm -hmm. Majority of massage therapists are women. And I see a lot of discussion about it online. And we've had another therapist on who has talked about it as well. It, for some reason, women just, we hold ourselves back. We have this idea in our mm-hmm. mind that we have to appear a certain way and like, I don't know, play nice. If that's the, the right term to use, well, that, you know, you yeah, can't play just, nice, yeah. not be a bitch. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot, there's so many layers in that. If I can go off on a little tangent here, please do. Um, there like, we have layers as women stepping into the leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, then the immediate pushback is she's a bitch. She's bossy. She's, you know, all of these things is what gets thrown at us. And then we also have several generations of um, what I would, I loosely call the sisterhood wounds in that we as women have stopped supporting one another. And so Mm -hmm. as we rise up, we don't have that support system to like, Hey, I got you. Like, here, let me, let me connect you. Let me, you know, we don't have that old boys network. No, you've got the gossips and the backstabbers coming out of the, out of the woodwork. Like, you know, how can I tear her down? Because why is she doing that? And I'm stuck here being a servant. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it, we need to heal those wounds. We need to be, you know, willing to support other women. But it's it's going to be, that's that internal piece where we have to shift how we're seeing the support of each other. Because when we really start supporting, you know, other women, we can, we can also extend that out and be supporting other men. And I think men won't feel as threatened and feeling the need to, you know, be like, oh, you know, I want to keep this old boys club to myself. Like if we have our thing and they have their thing now, now we each have a great strong network to help and support each other, but we have to stop the tearing down of our fellow women that has got to stop if you're going to grow. But, and that, and that's the resistance. If, if I know as a woman subconsciously that as I grow, as the bigger I get, the more visible I get, the more shit people are going to throw on me. Do you think that maybe subconsciously I'm going to resist growing big? Of course. Of course. Who was our... I can't remember her name and I feel horrible because my memory shit. I'll help you. Give me some cues. Empire. When I asked Samantha. her... Yeah. When I asked her, like, because she specifically works with females, hence Fempire. Yeah. And um, I asked her, like, what's the biggest difference between men and women, you know, when you're working with men and women and why you choose to work with women? Like, I 
I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was really interesting if you remember because you were just like your mind was blown at that moment. You're like, I never thought of it that way. Oh shit! I think that's something to do with like a like like just feeling confident in your decisions that you made. Yes, stuff like that. Yes, yes. Um, that was it. So for she talked about um, Mark and I. So Mark and I have been married for. What year are we in? 2020? Eight years. (laughs) (laughs) We've been married for eight years. We've been together for 13, I think. So, um, and majority of our time as a couple, we've also been business partners. And she used us as the example. And she said, you know, when you and him are sitting down to make business decisions, does it go something like this, where Mark makes a decision and that's it. He's going with it. He's starting. He's not even waiting for, you know, discussion. It's just like, this is what's going to happen. And he said, and do you, him and however things and look for approval? And I was like, fuck, I just got so called out on my own show, but you are absolutely right. And I think, you know, yes, it's generalizing. There's going to be some women listening who say, I don't do that. You know, I'm a badass Mm -hmm. and I'm a boss. And Great. We're not saying it's all women, but generally and statistically, women Mm -hmm. are a little more afraid, as you said, to be in the assertive role. They're afraid of what Mm -hmm. people are going to think. They're afraid of being called a bossy bitch. And I've been called bossy I, more times than I can count. Your children don't count, by the way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. But yeah, they're they're already starting to call me bossy. <laughs> and they're both girls. I want them to even get that word out of their vocabulary. I didn't teach it to them, but they hear mm-hmm. it. They hear it mm-hmm. because that is exactly as you said, from being a little girl. If you are more assertive, if you take charge, you're immediately labeled bossy. Little boys mm-hmm. don't get that label. Ever. No. Oh, look at him. He's a good leader. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we're yeah. bossy. My mother yeah. has been calling me bossy. And again, she she's not doing it intentionally. I don't think my mother doesn't want me to be a leader or doesn't want me to be successful, but it's just passed down. It's generational. And for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember, my mother has called me bossy because I've always been a little more outspoken and a loud mouth and I do, you know, I do what I do. And apparently that makes me bossy. Well, I love your bossy. (laughs) We need to take back that word. Bossy. Bossy is not negative. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, here's here's a little spin from from my time in the kink world Um, is there is that space for reclaiming words. For me, one of the words that was kind of thrilling when I was in the sub space aspect of it was being called a slut. And, and I was able to reclaim that word and it was a compliment in that community being called slut was a compliment. And so the energy behind it was very different. And I know that, you know, if you're, if anybody's listening and they're not in this world, that sounds horrible, right? Like it sounds like a horrible thing to say to somebody, but it's all in the context and how it's perceived. And so I learned from that, that when people would say it in a way that was derogatory, I would flip it and I would, I would just, you know, internalize it as a compliment. Yeah. And I mean, the word slut in general is another word that is is, is only used for women, right? If a man sleeps with 125 people before he ever, you know, settles down with one person, if he ever settles down with one person, well, cool. Then he's just, you know, he, what is it? He sewed all his wild oats. oats. You know, you know, there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. If a woman were to say, I have slept with 125 people before meeting my husband, it's like, Ooh, you were a slut. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, and and I think rather than going to the difference, because we can debate that, but I think where I would love to leave the listener is that flip it, flip it in your mind. Like if you can 
see that as a compliment. So if we talk about the word bossy, people are like, oh, you're bossy. It's like, oh, thanks. I know. <laughs> you're so kind. Right? And that's what I would do when people called me a slut. And I would flip it around. Like, oh, stop. I'm blushing. Right? Like, <laughs> and people don't know what to do with that. Let me tell you. It's, it's great. Because and I love doing that to people. Is that part of the, you, you like to stir shit up? Yeah, just a little bit, tell right? Me, tell me why. <laughs> tell me why you like to be a shit disturber. Um, what does it do for you? You know, one part is that I want people to think differently. Um, I want to shake their perspective up so that they actually see the world differently. But there's also, um, there's a thrill in putting people off kilter, having them on edge, mm-hmm. I, you know, having grown up in a, in a world where I didn't have a lot of say over what happened and what, what went down. The idea of being able to throw somebody off kilter just by what I say and how, how I be is, is great. It's empowering, you know, and, I, and I'm not doing anything that is hurtful to anybody. I am creating a shift in their world just by, making them look at it differently. Yeah. And I think that Mark already mentioned this earlier to one of your points. The only time real change can happen is if you push people outside of their comfort zone. So filtering what we say and hiding behind niceties and whatever, that's not going to change anybody's mindset on anything. You know, nicely saying to somebody, you know, calling somebody a slut isn't very nice, definitely doesn't have the same impact as thank you. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> and and then really, if they're looking to be derogatory, it will make them pause on, should I use that word the next time? Well, for me, words are just words. Like, that's just the yeah. way I roll. They don't mean anything. And I think I even posted something like, because we got, someone just really gave me shit for swearing a lot on a podcast. And I was like, you know what? Like, especially the words like fuck and shit, like those words actually don't hurt anybody. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. even saying anything hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting, Mark, that you say words are words, but since we have known each other, one word that Mark really just doesn't like, he doesn't use, it's not in his vocabulary, and he doesn't like it when other people use it, is the word bitch. I don't care other people use it, it's just not for me. He he really doesn't like that word. And so I I found it interesting when you said words are just words, because I know that word has always bothered you. Not for me. Not for me. It's just not something that I I use. I don't, I don't, I don't even have any basis for it. It's, I just don't feel comfortable using it. And so I don't, but I mean, if someone's using words, the, 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 it doesn't bother me at all what someone's saying. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, that's, you know, something on me. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really cool that you, you have that space for other people to do what works for them. And you're just, you're choosing and saying, okay, this, this is what doesn't work for me. And so I'm not going to do it. That's very different from wanting to avoid certain words because of how you're going to be perceived or how you're going to be judged and living your life from this perspective of I'm trying to avoid, you know, the, the negative consequences, uh, which is never helpful. Do you think there's, there's a general shift in that people are, are more into the idea of just being real and being themselves than, you know, worrying about how they're being perceived? Or is it kind of still still always there? I, I think we're, we're seeing both. We're seeing, you know, of course, with COVID and people not being able to get their hair done and all that, you know, like you're seeing a lot more real. <laughs> I have never looked yeah. so real, Dana. I have never looked right? so real. Right. I, I, I'm looking forward to firing my hairdresser because she sucks. So, you know, it's, you know, there is more acceptance of, hey, you don't have to look perfect anymore. You know, put yourself together. But 
it doesn't have to be the the perfect photo op and and those things. So there's there's definitely a movement towards realism. I also see that trickling out into all areas. So realism in what you deliver. So deliver what you say you're going to deliver. You know these over you know over promised under deliver programs that have been sucking people dry for financially are are starting to be exposed for what they are. So I think there's a lot of that going on. On a lot of different levels, we're seeing a lot of exposure in, you know, what's the reality in the financial world and, and people like, um, Weinstein and, uh, what's his name? They're, that, you know, they're being taken down and exposed for what they've been. And so that, that power dynamic is changing. So I would say that we're in a huge flux and a mess and hopefully, Hopefully we have more authenticity at the end of it. Yeah, I agree. That's something that, um, I mean, the podcast has definitely helped me with. I, you know, I preach authenticity and being genuine. And, you know, I, I, I've admitted that when I first started out as a massage therapist, I definitely had like a work persona because I'm working in a health and wellness industry. I had to make sure that, you know, I was coming across as somebody who cared a lot about, you know, I really took care of my own health and I always ate very healthy and I do, I sleep properly and I exercise and this and that. And it was, it was fake though. It wasn't really how I was living, you know, as much as yes, I do believe in eating well and proper sleep and exercise, it, I, I couldn't somehow admit even that I was also human and no, I don't do all these things properly. So it was just so fake. And it took me a few years to actually start realizing I can just be myself and still be the person with the knowledge to help the other people and, you know, meet them where they are and not be this mm-hmm. fake health and fitness guru that isn't even living that way as I sit on my couch and watch Netflix and eat chips. Like, let's, <laughs> let's be real. That's one reason why I, could, I had to get out of like, t- like I used to teach at one of the massage therapy colleges. I did that for eight years. And to be honest with you, the last five years was just fucking torture for me because oh. I don't fit into a box and I'm very uncomfortable being crammed into a box. So I don't even bother trying, but most places that are looking for someone to do what I was doing at that time. They want you in that box. And it was really uncomfortable for me. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I got to get out of here. And I'm, I'm unemployable. I can't work for people because I just have a certain way of, of thinking and operating and it doesn't fit into most people's molds. And it, it, what I what I love is that everything that I ever wanted to do working for somebody else and acting and being the way I am, I'm now doing it for myself and it's working and it's super successful. And I'm so happy for that. It's almost like a fuck you to, you know, everyone else that was like you you can't do it like this or you have to do it like i'm like you're no. unprofessional yeah fuck off oh, we yeah. hate th- we it, hate that yeah. word <laughs> if we're talking you know, about I, words <laughs> we're talking about words yeah i mean there's there's a there's a fine line because i you know i see people and, and there's this one person i can think of in particular who you know she started out in you know the coaching world and marketing herself with this whole like calling out other people and this is wrong and that is wrong and 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 now she just keeps escalating that and you know i i unfollowed her um when she posted a picture of her panties and i'm like you know what i really don't need to see your granny panties on <laughs> social media like i'm sorry that is just too far for me i think there is still rooms you know space where it's maybe too far like be authentic, show up, have your voice, but take a moment to think about what you're posting and why and what message is that sending? Like, yep. you know, I don't share every detail of my life uh, on social media. I've actually pulled off of Facebook for the most part because 
I had trouble behaving on there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like that you said that data, because one thing that I I also want to always clarify to people is there's being real and authentic and, you know, having your voice be heard and saying what you mean. And then there's just having no fucking tact. Like you don't have to be a dick. Not everything that comes into your mind needs to be spewed into the world at that moment. Like actually learn how to filter your thoughts, not filter them in a way that you're censoring yourself, but like you said before, not saying things or not shaking people up in a way that's hurtful to them or being derogatory or, you know, just being a dick. Just don't be a dick. The secret to life. Don't yeah, be a dick. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> <sighs> Let's talk about your coaching business a little bit then. So Ooh. who's your, I mean, you sort of alluded to this before, but for people listening, you know, like who's your ideal client? Who do you want to work with? I mean, we don't have to pigeonhole it so much, but other yeah. than, you know, we know it's somebody who wants to make a shift, but do you have anything more specific? Who is most attracted to come work with you? Yeah, I, I love working with uh, female business owners. That's typically who I uh, speak to. And um, those who are, you know, they've, they're up in the multiple six figures. They're aiming to go seven or eight. And the challenges that they're going to encounter as they grow, uh, I get it. I know what it means to have staff and, and to deal with those pieces, to deal with, you know, legal issues to deal, you know, I understand those challenges that are going to happen. And I love supporting them to be able to grow internally, so they can go out and meet what's going on in their external world and in their business. When you work with somebody, do you have like sort of a specific program? That's not necessarily the word I wanted to use, but like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll use that word specific program that people follow and you work with them or is every client so drastically different and you kind of figure out along the way what they need and what areas they need support in? So one-on-one clients are all tailored. It's, it's a matter of what's going on for them specifically. Um, You know, do we need to root into the trauma? Do we need to get systems set up so that they can you know, disconnect from those trauma loops? Do we need to, you know, look at how they're negotiating? Do we need, like, it'll all be customized. And then I have, um, currently I'm running a, my beta version of the inner dominatrix signature program, which is the, which is actually for like the next level down. So if you're not ready for one-to-one with me, that's a place where you can go get your mindset tools, get your, you know, next level marketing. So let's say they've worked with a beginner coach to help them get off the ground and they're in that first year and they need to just, you know, up level and get more traction. And there's again, another level of growth that happens with that. So that's where that program comes into place. And, and and there's also interesting things that happen when you work in a group, as opposed to one-on-one, you can learn from each other. Yeah. It's really, it's quite fun. That's really interesting that, I mean, that there is an actual program that you can join. Cause I, I don't know why I just imagined that you were a, uh, just a one-on-one coach, but I like that you have this program as well for, and it also, I think people going into that program, get an idea of who you are and how they can help. And I think that once going through that, then they would know, you know, do I need further coaching from her? Should I go into the one-on-one? 
So I, I like that. I like that there's different levels and and things that people can get when they get into contact with you. Thank you. I was going to ask, because I know Mark asks every coach on here, and I know you're not the typical coach, so you, I, I don't <laughs> want to lump you in with the, okay. the group with all of the coaches, but he asks every business coach that we talk to if they have any real usable, tangible advice for people who are listening, sort of just something that maybe could be like an aha or a spark for somebody like that really feels stuck and do you have anything that's sort of universal, for lack of a better word, that can help people who maybe need a little bit of a push in their business? Um, I think, you know, for one thing to keep in mind is that um, the idea that we have the ability to pick up on thoughts and emotions and what's going on with other people. And, and you know, your audience is mostly massage therapists. You you know this. You know when you're working on somebody, you can feel what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making a point of expanding your energy out so that you're really, really big. And, you know, anything that's coming at you goes through as opposed to getting stuck. That's the first thing. So recognizing that this, maybe this yucky feeling that you're having is not even yours. Because I find that too many people are circling around and they get into making themselves wrong and thinking, oh, I feel, I feel broken. I feel like I'm doubting myself. I have imposter syndrome. And then I, you know, help them to expand out and then drop in and and notice that, you know, that's not even yours. Like there's nothing we need to do with it other than expand out and drop it off. Now, if you expand out and it's still there, then we need to, to drop in to letting it go on a deeper level. And if people want to reach out to me through the website or, you know, LinkedIn, I'm happy to, to get a resource over to you or, the, on my YouTube channel, there's there's several you know videos on there that'll go into some um, tools that people can use to to start clearing what's going on on the intro level. Yeah, actually, since you've since you've brought it up, we usually save this for the end of the episode. But maybe for anyone who is listening, can you give out some contact information right now? How would be the best way if somebody wanted to get in touch with you? Um, I say the easiest is you can go to Inner Dominatrix dot com you can grab you know that'll take you to the badass intuition so it'll give you a six week boot camp for getting your your intuition in gear and uh, I am the only Dana Farrant in the world so if you put P H A R A N T into any search you will find me we can confirm that it took nothing for us to find you (laughs) all you need is my last name and you're good (laughs) i didn't realize you were the only dana ferrant in the world but that makes sense because literally like somebody brought you up mark searched you and was like oh here she is (laughs) it was it was that easy (laughs) yeah i love it it's like you know i own the first 21 pages of of google my my brother he hates me because he's like you know we have to go like 21 pages in to find anything on anybody else <laughs> i'm like well well your seo here. sucks <laughs> apparently apparently <laughs> so yeah that that would be badass. badass business performance coach yeah any other names that were kicking around before that uh inner dominatrix is is of course linked to everything that i do mm-hmm. um you know i used to own whole body basics which was formerly known as whole body healing i wasn't sure if we were bringing that up or not like the name of the business because yeah. i've been there okay. and i didn't realize I it was yours yeah, I took a course there. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, so you would have had you would have taken a course from me most likely. What did you take? Oh no, this was this was recent. This was, recent. This was after you oh, had sold. Okay. Yeah, but okay. when I when we did Google <laughs> you, I was like, oh, oh, she owns that. Okay, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I've uh, that, that was yeah. So it was it was good to have that sold. That wasn't my main passion. Though. I'm loving what I'm doing now. You don't strike me as someone that's uh, 
way into selling bodywork products. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was it was more I mean I you know I love the massage industry and I, I love the people but I, I did find it quite frustrating in that you know, it's constantly trying to to elevate people and say, listen, like, here's all these possibilities. And so many just wanted to stay stuck and small. And I doubt that any of the people that are listening to this show, because like the, the range of guests that you have are definitely going to bring out the people who are more open minded. But we hope so. Lot. Yeah. Either that or they'll tune in just to get the gossip, right? <laughs> and then and then tell us that our language is horrible. <laughs> right. And how dare you bring a dominatrix on the on board? It's like, oh my God. Oh, I yeah. can't wait for the feedback on this one. I wanna <laughs> I wanna rewind actually, just as you were talking about that when Mark said you don't strike me as the type of person to sell bodywork products. You don't. And Everything you've said has made me realize, you know, you're obviously very much in tune with intuition and people's psyche and understanding people's minds and energy. What mm-hmm. attracted you to body work to begin with? What made you decide that you were going to be a registered massage therapist? Oh, okay. So we go way back. Um, so, okay. So I got to rewind. I, out of high school, I graduated at 17 and didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and worked at McDonald's full time for a year. And that showed me very clearly I never wanted to work for anybody. <laughs> and <laughs> and at that point, I was um, I, I thought, oh, I'll go and I'll go and take computer programming because I had a fascination with computers. And so I was taking that course and and then was, you know, tired of flipping burgers and having grease on my on my face. And um, and I was living in Sutton at the time, which is where the Canadian College of Massage and Hydrotherapy was way back mm-hmm. then. And, um, and then a job opening came up where they needed a receptionist. Now, here's, here's where this ties in together and why I need to give you all the pieces. So they were having trouble with their computers and they wanted cheap computer help. Mm. Uh, so they hired me as a receptionist. And at that time they were paying like $7.50 and McDonald's was paying $5. I told you this was a while back. So I was like, score, I get to wear nice clothes, get paid better. And uh, and they didn't realize until later that I kind of sucked at the computer work. So <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, doing that job and getting to know the students, and of course, one of my perks was getting massage. And, you know, people had always said I had a gift, you know, I had gifted hands and I was I was the school counselor. Like people would seek me out at, at lunch and like, Dana, can I talk to you? And and so we talked, you know, we found a quiet corner and we talked for the, the lunch hour and then they'd they go and they'd feel better. So I was basically doing counseling in in high school. Um so between all of those pieces, you know, realizing that I need to work for myself, um, seeing that the computer programming wasn't working and then having all this exposure to the massage world and the students and, and seeing how that lifestyle was going to fit my personality. That's how I ended up as a massage therapist. Wow. And then, I mean, obviously it worked for you to an extent because you stuck with Mm -hmm. it for quite a long time. I did, 24 years. Yeah. I mean, that's not a short career. I'm not even, I'm not even at 10 years yet. So (laughs) I've got some time to go. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, while you were doing it, like you said, you were sort of doing the coaching the entire time. Early in your career, even, you know, when you started sort of offering this coaching and you were, you were really interested in the psychology part, did you ever think that you would make a shift like you've done now? Or was this something that was planned or did it just all happen very organically? Um, I, I think that possibility didn't open up for me until, 
until around 2012. And I started um, taking some more courses where, you know, the techniques that they were teaching, people were using the coaching model to deliver. And, you know, I saw what, what they were making, what they were charging and, and that, you know, seriously, it has an appeal. So I'm not going to lie. It was like, hmm, there's some good money over there. So I really started to kind of, you know, get that opened up at that point and, uh, and then had to wait, like I said, until 2016 when I sold the business and dropped my massage license and really could focus fully in on the coaching. This is very cool. Any other questions you have for Dana, Mark? Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I can sit and talk with her all day long. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's so funny how, but this is the way the universe works, right? Like some listener emailed us, wanted some advice, your name was dropped, and somehow we end up talking to somebody who seems pretty aligned with what we do and you're, you're kind of, you're our people, Dana. You know, I, I was, I will admit, you know, you know, I was like, no, no, I'm not in that world anymore. Like it was like, oh my God, I don't, you don't interview me. I'm like, you know, like <laughs> I'm the whole dominatrix thing. What are you thinking? Right. But then when you were telling me, you know, the different, you know, topics and, and people that you've had in, I, and I went and I checked out your episode and I thought, okay, it's a real conversation. It's a, it's a real discussion and you, you are open-minded. So I'm like, well, at the very least, this will be a fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's when I said, yeah. Well, I'm glad you did because I think that massage therapists, uh, we can get wrapped up in our own shit. I see it online. <laughs> I see it with, you know, all the RMTs. It's always seems to be one topic of discussion. And then that gets resolved and it shifts to, and then the it shifts other. to another yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> our, our mission and our purpose has always been to talk about people and their stories. And I mean, since we're in the industry of working with people and we're all fully aware and open to you know this this biopsychosocial model where we know that it's not just physical people that we're working with and we have to actually understand people and the populations we work with are so diverse it just makes sense to as in anybody in healthcare i mean just people in general but in our profession we work so closely with people it makes sense that we should be open minded and want to learn about all different types of people and all different types of things and just to put our judgment aside shut our ego off and actually understand people. So I think all of these types of discussions make sense. So yeah, it might seem a little bit crazy for a massage therapist saying, hey, can we talk to you about your life as a dominatrix? But it really isn't because guess what? The reason you were introduced to this world was a client. Exactly. So I think, yeah. you know, we need to understand our clients a little bit more. And if you have this open mindedness about you, your clients are going to be a lot more open with you. And it's going to give you the opportunity as a therapist to actually be able to understand them and know how to work with them and know how to help them. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, I think you're ideal for like our podcast because like like we said, <laughs> massage is female dominated industry. You mostly work with uh females and you know the industry very well. You've been it's just a perfect a perfect match. Hopefully anyone that needs needs some sort of coaching will or thinks about having a coach we'll get in touch with you that'll be great fantastic thank you so much i hope there's a massage therapist who makes six figures <laughs> who's gonna there who's are. gonna contact there are. you there, there are no there, there are. definitely yeah. are i i do i do have actually some clients who are massage therapists and yeah they are making 
six figures. The ones that can uh, get get beyond the idea that I'm a therapist. That's exactly. one of the very first things we're like, you're not a therapist. Yeah, not a you're, therapist. you're an organization. You're a company. You're mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're not a therapist. And if you keep thinking of yourself as a therapist, you're not going to ever hit that six figures. Ever. Exactly. Yeah. Dana, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap for the day? I think you guys did an amazing job. You like totally grilled me on all great questions. And we had a fantastic, delightful conversation. I'm, I'm so excited. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on. This was great. Thank you. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.